0: Welcome to the latest and greatest Check Your 6 episode Focusing specifically on the Pro League 6 Invitational Which concluded just an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours ago With Mm -hmm. a new champion for this Invitational tournament But before we go into today's results We're going to talk about the exciting announcements that came out today With the Year 5 and Year 6 Roadmap In addition to all the changes that they're talking about, as well as what they revealed on Saturday with the two new operators. So, let's get right into that. I'm going to switch on over and pull up the year five roadmap. And Syntax, why don't you walk us through this a little bit?
1: Okay, so... I feel like this season is going to be, or this year is going to be a really exciting year. Um, first off, you know Operation Void Edge is what the new the new operation is going to be called, and they're bringing in two new operators. Um, one is from Jordan, um, and one is from France, I believe that the other one is. Um, the first one, his name is Oryx. Uh, he's he's from Jordan, and his ability is called the the Ramadash, I believe is what I heard the um, the developer say um on air and essentially what he can do is he can he has charged dashes um so he can like ram soft walls um uh, but it's at the cost of taking 10 damage if you um you can dash forward um normally without taking damage but if you like ram a soft wall um you take 10 damage right um and that's huge because also this Ramadash also allows you to um, counter shields really heavily so there's no more 1v1ing uh, a monty sitting in a corner while he just looks at you laughing when, you know you trying to sit there and defuse you can actually ram the monty and knock him down so even if he's fully extended you can knock him on his you can knock him on his ass and you can kill him and that's massive also it is huge, yeah. But it, it, it also
0: feels like it's very, very, very situational. Um,
1: I don't think it's situational, but he he does have another ability that makes him honestly the ultimate roamer, in my opinion. Um, he can jump through open hatches. So yes, he can. <clears throat> I sh- I shit you not. He can jump, grab a hatch ledge, pull himself up through it. Um, so. On top of that, so whenever you jump and grab a ledge, you can choose to peek. You can peek to see if it's safe. Um, and then if it's not, you can drop back down or you can pull yourself up. That's not right. <laughs> um, so if just think about that as a roamer. Do you know how useful that would be, especially when like escaping? Um, an attacker that that gives you a point of exit that an attacker cannot follow unless it's a, a, a an Amaru, you know yeah.
0: um, but like now now that we have like they introduced Amaru like this last set basically, and suddenly now we have two operators who can go up through hatches. That's potentially very scary for what it means for learning your maps. why do you why do you say that because i mean whenever there's whenever there's a site like second floor or third floor it's always been like work your way up in a meaningful way and you watch the hatches to make sure no one's trying to come down and flank you but now if you have two ways of going up even if the like if the other team blows the hatch like maybe this is to like simplify the number of approaches but it just feels like You're asking people to learn the inverse of all of their maps. So it's like, it's not like doubling the amount of map knowledge that you have to have, but it's like another quarter to the map knowledge that you have to have. Like, maybe that's the ideal for Rainbow Six going forward, but it also sounds like it's just adding an an extra layer of complexity to an already very complex game.
1: Um, Honestly, like, (laughs) I. I mean I I definitely see your point and I I also actually agree with you but at the same time I think it's awesome um I think it's going to bring a whole new layer of like creativity to the game um it's going to allow defenders you know a lot more flexibility in in an otherwise like attacker heavy map um On the defender heavy maps, yeah, it's just going to make the defenders a little bit more scary, but at the same time, it's going to counter those attacker heavy maps.
0: Um, I'll be really interested to see how it plays out, but one thing I could see them doing, if these experiments with Amaru and Oryx work out, they might be able to make it so that you can do like a two-player stack, so that you can help one operator up, so that then there's a more general utility for everyone to go up the hatches. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, maybe, I
1: guess so. But if that were the case, it would just kind of be a washout, you know? Um, well,
0: I mean, it's the difference between using one utility versus two, two resources. So like Oryx has his, being able to do it as a single operator still keeps him as a really strong roamer. And a really strong solo presence and flank opportunity. But if you have to invest like two or three of your operators to launch someone up into a hatch, like that's another substantial commitment that you can do. And in an intel game, like if you spot that, that's a huge reward. But if you can do that under your opponent's noses, it's also a huge tactical reward for the attackers.
1: Are you saying make an attacker that has a utility ability
0: to? send his teammates through hatches I'm saying like everyone has kind of like a generic utility so kind of like how everyone gets barricades give Mm -hmm. everyone the opportunity to be able to post up to like help someone step up and up through a hatch that way it's anyone can do it and so it's a strategy everyone has to learn how to defend against but then it becomes who do you invest into doing that and how do you protect the team members doing that as well as protect like protect the attackers doing that but then figuring out how the defenders can also use that to their advantage as well
1: yeah i could see that i could see that but Um, only
0: if these two experimental utilities really play it pay off
1: yeah yeah okay i can see that
0: anyways Um, more changes
1: yeah (laughs) um on top of that, really fast, Oryx has... His loadout consists of the SPAS-12 shotgun like Valk has, the Valk shotgun, and he has an MP5 without without an ACOG, so it's like mute, uh, pretty much. Um, he has a bailiff secondary weapon or a regular pistol, I believe, secondary weapon, and then he can either bring barbed wire or a bulletproof camera. Now, on the other hand is... Um, Iana, Iana, it's like i-a-n-a i think her name was hmm. um she has this thing called the gemini projection um which allows her to create a it's literally like a controllable alibi clone um yep. so essentially she can throw this clone out um and she can control it fully right it's like you're controlling another character the only thing is is it can't shoot um it can't it can't do anything it can run around it can vault things um it can climb up ladders i think um but it can get destroyed by a mute jammer it can get destroyed by electricity pretty much it's very fragile so anything that can do damage will kill it right um will lesion Legion won't trip it won't she cannot trip traps. Got it. So you can walk through a site and like scout out the traps with her with her uh ability, which is like what it was like kind of um advertised, you know, as one of the big key features is to be yep. able to scout out um you know the objective without having to set off the traps to see if like there are any traps. Now on the defender side um really the only way that you can tell if it's a clone versus her one either by obviously shooting it you know one bullet will will kill it um but the mute jammer if it gets close enough to the mute jammer it'll start to flicker like it's a you know projection being being jammed um or if you're on a maestro camera do you know how on maestro cameras you can see the body heat yep she's there's no body heat on her clone so like you can tell on a maestro camera if it's her or not. But I see this being a strong not just to be not just to be a scouting. So this thing it recharges. So it's like an infinite ability, but it has to recharge, obviously. Now if you deactivate it, it recharges a lot faster than if it gets destroyed. If that makes sense. That does make sense. So um I see this as being really strong for situations as you're trying to plant right you can bait c4s you can bait out smokes you can bait out anything that they're trying to use to defend against plant or trying to use as plant denial um, which is huge because you know you don't have to send your person in to sit there and try and bait these things right without having to risk you getting blown up or smoked or whatever you can send this this uh this clone in to, to bait. Um, those objects and so then you know after the, you you bait you can plant it safely um, which i think is going to be huge
0: absolutely um, i mean any awesome. anything that can get further utility out of the other team because like when you saw a lot of the plays this over the six invitational i mean you saw a lot of these oh they opened up the the upper part of the wall there goes a frag there goes a frag done game like round set match kind of deal like you saw kind of these standard plays really in repetition break out a lot so having someone be able to change up how utilities are reserved late game or when you know that this player is involved like that's a huge mind game to start playing with people
1: yeah it is it really is um and the fact that it can recharge is huge as well um you know, I'm I'm not sure how long the recharge rate is, and I don't think they announced it, so I can't really say for sure like how good it's going to be. You know, versus you know having you know having a recharge rate versus having a set amount. So I couldn't really say. But yeah. um,
0: the one thing I'm glad that they didn't do was make it so that she could change the appearance to another operator on your team, kind of like the spy from uh, Team Fortress TF2. Two. Yeah, I'm glad that they didn't take that ability that far because now it's no longer like, oh, this attacker is really important. Like taking out like an Ash or a Thermite, being able to be like, oh yeah, that was like a, an incredible kill. Oh wait, just now we know how to address the that specific operator. Like wasting utility on that, even though that you operator never put themselves at risk.
1: Yeah, um, having a literally a tf2 spy in siege would be um it would be broken that would be it would just it would it would break the game because you know all you have to do is walk into sight as you know as
0: a defender operator and then just start blasting you know (laughs) it's like that that only works that only works in ranked when you see five of this or everything but the six pick right so i mean oh okay (laughs) i know exactly who i'm going to disguise myself as
1: Cue, Q the Danny DeVito meme. So, anyways, I started blasting. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's, that's yeah. exactly what would. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, anyways, so she carries for her primary either an ARX two hundred like Nomad's ARX or a G thirty six C, which is like Ash. So the only difference for the ARX for you know between her and Nomad is that she now ha- can put a foregrip on her ARX, as Nomad could not because she had the air jabs attached to the as a launcher, so she couldn't put a foregrip on her weapon. Does
0: mm.
1: so that make sense?
0: Yeah, makes sense.
1: Yeah, so now she can use she can put a foregrip on the ARX, um, which is actually pretty dang good. So um, I would I would probably use that indefinitely over the G36. But um, so other than the two new operators, they're doing a lot of things right. And the first big thing um, that everybody is jumping for joy um, is client side debris. They are fixing client side debris. Um, hopefully, indefinitely. Um, they they redid how things break in the game. Um, I'm not terribly sure. I didn't really understand the technical lingo he was speaking about like, you know, you know, he was saying stuff like ten percent, ninety percent particles being destroyed and reporting into the game. I don't whatever he was saying, I didn't really understand the the jargon because I'm not a game developer. Maybe you
0: did, but um yeah I mean I, I understood it from that far uh, there was still a bit more detailed than I'm familiar with like being like talking very specific particle systems but the overall idea was pretty well <laughs> described I thought it was it was really interesting to hear them actually talk about that level of detail with their with their gameplay as well yeah so pretty much client side
1: debris um, is no more version.
0: Um, I, I thought you were going to really love that since you had brought it up not too long ago
1: oh my god yes this is is one of the things that i was that was literally the only thing that i was hoping for (laughs) and um i was like if they if they honestly do anything in this reveal is that they is is they reveal the fix of client side debris and thank god they did (laughs) so another big thing that everybody was jumping for joy well at least 80 percent of the 80 percent of the crowd um the other legion uh crutch mains um were probably crying in the corner but um yeah sorry any Legion mains out there
0: you know you, you actually have to work for your kills
1: now um
0: well i mean it, i thought it was funny because like i'm like yay uh, like legion changes because i mean, he was so easy to use even for me it was just like okay well i can play this and be super effective for my team but I thought it was really interesting that um even after yesterday's announcements really talking about <laughs> Legion's changes, uh, I saw Fox A on Twitter talking about why did they nerf him. I'm like I couldn't like seeing from your perspective how you talked about how necessary it was, I'm like, okay, so it's not just a uh it's not just like a popular player, like the general player base that needs this fixed. It is a competitive thing, but I'm really curious why Fox is like one of the most prevalent users of lesion is like, Oh, he didn't need this even though he uses him all the time.
1: Well, that's, that's, that that's, that's why, because he uses him all the time. You know, he likes where he is because he's really good. And that's why these, these lesion mains don't want the nerf because it's like, it's like me, right? I was a big maestro main for a long time and Seeing uh, him being hit with all these nerfs one after another just hurt me inside. Mm. Um, you know, at first it was nerfing the the Maestro cams, right? That was a huge hit to Maestro. Um, it was huge, and a lot of people don't really see it, but it's just these little things that they do are just massive impacts to operators. And then, secondly, they took away his ACOG, which I don't agree with um and not because i i wanted him to keep his acog but because if they're going to nerf the alda that's not the that's not the way to do things if you're going to nerf the alda um as a as a user of the alda a lot um a lot of the times i don't even use the acog uh it's it's still it's still an amazing weapon it's got 81 bullets with their stupid rate of fire um you know and you don't need an acog to to make it any more useful um, they they should have they should have either
0: like one increased the
1: recoil or or two lowered the the ammo count but I anyways i
0: would have gone with the recoil i mean that seems far too easy to manage for how it many is. bullets you get for how much damage it does for just how usable it is even without specific equipment attached to it
1: yeah and using the acog on the aldo was actually like it added a level of recoil that actually made it like pretty balanced if you're like an average user now obviously like at a higher level of play with people who know how to control recoil it wasn't really a problem but um anyways off of maestro i haven't even mentioned what the Legion nerfs were Legion nerfs so the first thing they're doing is um they're removing uh, his across the map intel gathering ability which means like you can throw a lesion mine across you know go to the other side of the map through a lesion mine and go back to the other side you know because you can see that little lesion that goo icon you know you know through walls right and you can see where it is and if it goes off you know where they are well they remove the ability to see those little icons if you're not within line of sight so if That's you're if, a if there's a fantastic change yeah so if you're if you're there's a if there's any sort of wall or blocking your vision to that goo mine that little icon disappears um so all you have now is a sound cue right um you know if illusion mine goes off you're like okay where did it go but at the same time i throw goo mines everywhere and sometimes i'll forget where i throw them and so illusion mine will go off and i'll be like okay well illusion mine uh, goo mine went off i don't know where that is so everyone look out you know (laughs) um but other than that they also removed the initial damage you take when you hit a goo mine so you no longer take 10 damage when you're when you're um you know trying to to clutch around um and you've got 10 health left or less than 10 health and you know you could have clutched it if you didn't walk over a leisure mine and get killed by it you know that that was the dumbest thing i've ever ever had to deal with in this game was the fact that like not only do i have to worry about these two guys not have to worry about a bunch of invisible needles on the ground that might kill me because i've got five health um (laughs) that's the worst so it's more it's you know it goes from a 1v2 to a, a 1v10 because you know you've got little you've got six invisible enemies on the ground but uh
0: You know, one thing. One thing I want to note about the not being able to see the symbol unless you're within line of sight. The one, the the behavior that I hope it curtails is just throwing those things out as soon as it's on charge. Because now you have to start keeping track of where they were, unless you're just piling them near like your objective, if you're the anchor, or if you're in a specific location. Like then you're just piling all at one spot, and you have to think strategically is this actually going to help my team or is there a better place i should be putting these things but if you're not going to be running around placing them it's going to be a lot harder for you to keep track of where they are so you can't pass information nearly as effectively unless you've really exposed yourself to that risk
1: that is exactly the point of why they did that so what you're hoping for is what they're aiming for um and i think that's exactly what we're going to get so and that's gonna it's gonna bring a lot more uh, critical thinking to the table, you know, when when playing Legion. So that's good. That's good. It's really good. Absolutely. Um, other than other than the the nerfs, um, or, the, or the the nerf and the change, they are there's a whole roadmap that was put out, right? So there's season one to season four in year five. Season one, we get the two new operators we just discussed. Um, they're doing an Oregon rework, so we're going to get a whole new reworked Oregon. Um, that's it looks amazing, in my opinion. They've added a whole new like floor. They've added so many more uh, like natural paths uh, for defenders and attackers. You know, different ways that you can attack sites. There's no more like you know super choke points in Oregon. Like if you're attacking kitchen um, from not small tower. You don't have to walk down that small hallway, um, that the the Z hallway, the zigzag. Yep. Um, they've added a lot more hallways. Uh, they added a lot more upper area as well. Um, if you want to go take a more of an in depth look at it, um, they put they made it made it a highlight on Rainbow Six's channel on Twitch, so you can go and watch the highlight um, uh, of the operators reveals and also the organ rework. I have um, to say just looked at the film.
0: organ rework. I was really excited to hear them addressing tower. That was by far one of my least favorite phases to have to deal with on that map.
1: Oh, the small tower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so just go look for the the Operation Void Edge reveal highlight on Rainbow Six's Twitch channel, and you can watch it, and it'll it'll show you everything. It'll do the walkthrough of the new organ map and and everything. Um, they're adding a what's called a arcade playlist. Um, So it's going to be like a one event um, in the arcade playlist. And they're, you know, also they're going to have a battle pass. They're going to have one battle pass per season. Um, Season two, we get two new operators. Um, One is from Norway and the other one's going to be from South Africa. Um, We get a, a house rework, which is really interesting because, um, house is that means house is going to be coming back into um or possibly coming back into ranked gameplay um as soon as they rework the the map which honestly i'm pretty excited for because house is one of those maps where it's just kind of nostalgic to play you know i haven't played it in a hot minute and i kind of want to play it ranked again um just because of i don't know i i used to to enjoy the map a lot of people freaking hate it but um, maybe after the rework it'll be a lot more fun I really um,
0: appreciated it for its stark simplicity yeah. in terms of like where all the action was gonna happen as opposed to like every other map out there like it's mm-hmm. just a simple take and it's even reminiscent for anyone who played like counter strike like c s estate kind of thing like it's very reminiscent of that, so it it's got a nice foundation for anyone who's been playing first person shooters. It was honestly probably the first multiplayer map that i had played in rainbow six siege so i mean it's also fairly nostalgic for me too even though i haven't yeah now that you've mentioned it i don't think i've played it in a good long while you know and also it's it is
1: i think possibly not possibly i think it is the smallest map in rainbow six um i would agree i liked it because i could play an attacker with a shotgun and not have to worry about mid to long range battles you know i could just use a shotgun wherever, whatever situation i'm in i can still blast them with a shotgun because it's that you know it's still that close of a range that i can use it viably um but anyways um they're gonna add another event to the arcade playlist um any of you watch any of you listening or watching right now i have no idea what these events are called it just says plus one event so <laughs> They're adding an event to the arcade playlist, whatever that means, and then obviously there's gonna be another battle pass.
0: It's like the road to the six, road to six, invitational kind of events, is my understanding.
1: Okay. Season three, we're gonna get one new operator. Um, His, you know, curious enough, um, his country is classified. He's the out of the whole roadmap, he is the only operator to not have a designated country. It just says classified. So I'm actually really interested to see uh what that operator actually is. So that'll robot. be <laughs> Yeah. A terminator T T one thousand.
0: Or some sort of uh, artificial intelligence.
1: Yeah. But um and then also they're gonna be doing more core gameplay and reworks. Um, so hopefully we'll see a little bit more um quality of life improvements uh, nerfs and buffs, stuff like that Um, they're going to be doing a skyscraper rework skyscraper rework which, awesome because I hate skyscraper
0: (laughs) Um, I do too It's, it's a miserable map if you get turned around or if your team just does not know how to handle vertical play it is just absolutely miserable too many ways for your team to go wrong from the outset
1: you know sorry about that in in casual i don't mind playing skyscraper because it's whatever you know it's casual i can play whatever whatever you know it doesn't really matter to me except for tower i would rather sand my toes off than plays than play tower damn no matter no matter what no matter what the situation um and then they're gonna add another event to the arcade playlist and then the battle pass again um season four is gonna be another new operator uh another one new operator so we're gonna get six total operators right so two season one two season two and then season three and season four we get one each um and that operator is going to be from Thailand. Interesting enough. Um, then they're going to be doing obviously more core gameplay and rework, so quality of life, uh, nerfs, buffs, stuff like that. And then they're going to be doing a chalet rework, um, which is you know I'm I'm really I'm really happy to see that they are going to be doing reworks for maps all throughout the year. Um, usually we get one rework a year. That's that's usually been the, the, the pace, but they're doing four total, one for each season, and that's amazing. Um, they are really getting to the grindstone this year um, with everything, you know, quality of life, um, UI improvements, uh, map reworks, you know, all this stuff. You know, it's, it's amazing to see, you know, I'm glad we're getting it, but I wish they would have done this a little bit sooner. <laughs> I mean, from, uh,
0: from, from my perspective, like I mean, one of the other changes that we cannot neglect is the observer changes that we got to experience for the Six Invitational and how how crisp and clean that was. I really appreciated a lot of the information that was there on screen at all times. But what this signifies, and I mean, we see it here on the Year 5 graphic, is that Season 2 is the last time that we're going to get two new operators in a single patch. And that going to the one operator easy every season after that continues through year six, but then it's more core gameplay and map reworks. Like they are bringing everything back in line with the best parts of rainbow six right now. So they've got a great pool of operators and they they probably feel like introducing two operators for another full year probably just creates this unlikable treadmill players probably fall off more often than come back when there's new operators because it, cha- it resets everything that they know. They can control that a little bit better with map adjustments as opposed to adding in a whole new piece that behaves very differently. The core gameplay reworks a, a single operator is probably something that they've messed around with with data and figured out like one new operator is enough change to generate enough buzz to bring people back to enough change to keep people around without having to shake up things like the competitive scene or really challenge a lot of the low level uh, skill players by having so much change all at once. Now, core gameplay, that's easier to understand. Map reworks, that's also easier to understand as they're bringing all of the design elements in p- up to par with each other because we've got some really great maps and then maps like Oregon, House, Skyscraper, Chalet, clearly the ones who have fallen behind in how they execute with all the new utilities that all these operators have, and they've just never been the strongest of maps either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is a way of simplifying, updating, and getting all of Rainbow Six to be at a very consistent level and... I can almost guarantee you, as much as they said that this is year six, it's going to change based off of how successful they feel they are, probably through the second half of this year, and after, I'd probably say, the first half of year six, because if they're okay splitting a year like this, after they've done a full year of development like this, they'll have a better idea of how they want to adjust, and they'll probably be adjustments to the year six roadmap after after another year or so Mm -hmm.
1: okay yeah i can see that um let's see oh uh i mentioned ui changes earlier right so they're actually doing a lot of cool stuff to the ui they're making it a little bit more um user friendly stuff like that it's it looks really nice um they are adding a replay system finally um
0: that's gonna you know, be huge it's,
1: it's self-explanatory you know you can go and replay your, your past matches um there was one thing that i saw on there on the reveal that they kind of casually brush by um they didn't even mention it but there was a button on there that said training grounds um oh my. yes so either that is a a um a sly way of saying that they're bringing an actual like firing range to the game, or it is a um very deceiving way of just renaming terrorist hunt. So, or the I scenarios is, that they have. Yeah, I hope it is uh the former rather than the latter. But
0: I mean, if I could, if for a training ground, if I could set up traps locations of ai and set up like if i could copy a setup from a uh replay and just be like i want to replay this scenario and i want to just drill it over and over and over and see how my team's actions influence like an in ai basically just to watch that and just practice through that i think that'd be insane or if i could template a a layout and then be able to send that off to a scrim partner and be like how would you approach this? It now means to, your scrim partners can be talking to each other without actually having to sit down and play each other every single night. And it's, it's an interesting way to keep that dialogue open, if that's the case. I mean, mm-hmm. this is all my pipe dream kind of training ground type thing. At the very minimum, it needs to be a gun range. That would be the one thing, hands down, that would probably improve my game more so than anything else
1: yeah i mean it's probably going to be a gun range um but what you're saying honestly like that would be that would be game changing uh that would be the ultimate training grounds and it would be so much fun to use um but realistically that this sounds down,
0: that would hands down be like an industry leading esports tool Oh okay. yeah. period
1: yeah Um, But realistically, it sounds like a lot of coding that does not sound uh, realistic in the near future. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Don't squash my dreams.
1: I don't mean to. I mean, that's my dream too. You know, that sounds like a really, really useful tool. But uh, anyways, um, I think that is about it for the changes i missed anything but
0: you missed my one most favorite change that i wish i had when i first picked up this game what is that your drones now start at the same location as you
1: that's right yes yes
0: so the first spawn
1: location that you pick is where the drones are going to spawn so no more random drone spawns thank god beautiful it doesn't sound like much. Um, a lot of the casual players are just like, okay, that doesn't really change how I play. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, that's okay, you know, and and that's fine. It's just um, the people at a, uh, at a higher competitive level, um, you know, when planning things out, they really wanted to know where their drones are going to spawn because now they can plan out where they're going to send their drones, you know. Before you, you, you'd be like, okay, whoever spawns here, you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, send your drone here. You know, whoever spawns here, you're gonna send your drone here. But now they can actually put names to those locations, be like, okay, yo, you're gonna spawn here, you're gonna take your drone and you're, you're gonna put it here. You're gonna spawn here, you're gonna take your drone, you're gonna put it here, and that brings a whole new level of of, of tactical planning uh, to the table, and I think that's huge,
0: yep. um, and it's and gonna the- be really awesome. And on top of that, and it's kind of the other point of the same thing, is contextual pings, being able to ping out a specific gadget. I mean, how many times had you wished that an operator with a frag grenade would have come over for your maestro cam or impact grenade for the maestro cam? But you can't. Oh, yes. Like, come on. Yes. Like, that's going to be huge. Um,
1: Oh, my God. There's so many other things that I missed, too. I'm so sorry. Um tachanka rework as well um oh yeah tachanka <laughs> uh they're making his his turret his main weapon he now walks around with his turret as his main weapon um yes Terrifying. yes that is amazing right so he um his turret now you know obviously he walks around with it you know it's got a little grip on it but he can put a little sight on it you know and has amazing destructive capabilities it makes him really slow obviously because he's got a big ass turret you know he's carrying around but um it's really powerful um and also his new gadget is an incendiary grenade launcher
0: yeah i was terrified when i saw that
1: incendiary grenade launcher (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, he lit. He literally has a grenade launcher full of Capitao uh, Firebolt grenades. So he, it's it's exactly how you, how you what you think it is. It's a little tiny in like, length, just a little launcher. He can you know launch grenades that bounce, and when they explode, it's it
0: creates fire on the ground like a Capitao Firebolt. He's a long range smoke that requires <laughs> vision. <laughs>
1: Yes, and he's got like five of them, if I saw oh,
0: correctly no. like when
1: they were when they were shooting him off. I mean, I, maybe it was just the build, you know, they gave him a lot of ammo so they can, you know, show it better. That's but fair. he launched, he was launching like four or five of them. Um, Did so, you notice how long, long they lasted?
0: No, I didn't show
1: enough information on it, so I will fi- we'll find out.
0: If he's going uh, to have a whole lot of them, I can only imagine that they're shorter duration than capital Arrows, but if he's only going to have a few of them, I could see it lasting almost as long as a smoke play. Yeah.
1: I can see that too. Um, Also... they're going to change the armor and speed attributes right i don't know how exactly they're going to do it It just says that they're going to do the armor and speed attribute changes maybe they're going to rework how um, armor affects your speed um, or how armor affects your damage resistance stuff like that i guess we'll i guess we'll find out later um and also they're going to be introducing a new rep system um and it's designed to combat uh toxicity and cheating so i think it's going to be sort of like a uh an overwatch system if anyone's played overwatch is familiar with the whole reputation system um you know you can you can endorse your teammates for you know good sportsmanship you know shot caller good leadership you know team leader stuff like that i think i have a rep system saying like oh this guy was a good teammate you know or you can say this guy was freaking toxic um he was just, you know, shouting off, you know, profanity and chat the whole game. You know, his rep goes down, and I think what's going to happen is, is people with the lower rep are all going to be playing people with lower reps. So just going to be uh, bad rep versus bad rep, and then the people with yep. the good rep are going to be playing, you know, with the normal people,
0: which is they, which is great. Um, they did mention that people with good rewards or good standing are also going to be able to earn rewards.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Okay, I guess that could, yeah. incentivizes you to um, not be an asshole, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so in other words, uh, don't be an asshole, people. It pays off.
0: I mean, to quote the great Will Wheaton, "Don't be a dick."
1: Exactly. You know, and. I, you know if someone's being toxic in game you know don't be toxic back you know you, you're just you're, you're feeding the troll um, and honestly it just, hurts the, it just hurts everyone else whenever you're you know you someone trolls another person they get mad they start you know being a troll back then another guy chimes in and starts being a troll and it just
0: it just and turns into just this terrible uh, game and then you've wasted like 20-30 minutes of your life
1: you know, as the wise man once said, an eye for an eye and the whole world goes blind. So don't be that guy.
0: Don't be that guy. I agree. Um, uh, what other changes? Let's... I
1: think I think that's about it. I, I think, think that's, that's
0: it. it. I mean, for an update, this was a huge, huge uh, bundle of information, like outlining the next year and a half, two years and then being able to come out and say we're taking care of these quality of life things pretty quickly you still get all the new content that you've been looking forward to but here's how we're going to kind of taper it down and uh add on a little bit of a different flavor to it like that's a huge update this is this invitational has got to have been the one that makes the player base and even those who started watching like this weekend actually feel really good about the short-term future of Rainbow Six. I mean, the next mm-hmm. two years of its time has been outlined with changes that the community actually wants, which is insane. And Yeah.
1: It, and the one this thing... This was... Oh,
0: go ahead, go ahead.
1: <laughs> no, I was just saying that this was just... It, this is the, the the most or the biggest amount of changes that i've that i think i have seen since the game has come out it is the i think the the largest um quantity of i guess just improvements to the game that they are making um since since its creation so
0: yeah, and the, like what I was going to say is like the change in the amount of content that they're putting out with new operators and everything really makes me hopeful for getting to like that 90 to 96% of all operators used in a major international tournament. Much like how the International Dota tournament is measured and like one of the big statistics that they talk about is like 98% of all champions like 215 of this 216 or however many of that are in that game now like they use almost every single one of them in every international and in every major qualifier event like that's insane for them to have reached that level of balance Rainbow Six is proving that you can get there with a big roster with a complex game that's very action oriented and twitchy like to the pixel accurate And they're proving that they can get that balance down between operators and maps and general gameplay. Like this is, and Slasher put this out on Twitter, Rainbow Six deserves to be a tier one eSport. And I think this Invitational and the roadmap set aside for everyone to see is the biggest commitment to Ubisoft saying that they can do this. It is, yeah. They,
1: I think they really... They really stepped up and they put all their cards down, and they're saying, "We are ready, We are ready to be a tier one eSport. We are ready to um, address everyone's needs, and we are ready to make this game um, you know complete. you know, I guess that's a lack of a better word, but they um, they're really uh, showing everyone that they are in for the long run and they are making the commitment to um, to better the game so it can be in the long run, kind of like CSGO.
0: Right. And I mean, this, this tournament, I believe the last number I saw on Twitch was about 160,000 people watching this tournament just on Twitch. That doesn't include mm-hmm. um, any of the Chinese metrics or anything like that, but like for this game to have gotten 160,000 people to be watching it, it was the number one game on Twitch at the time. It was drawing a huge number well, and I mean this was the biggest event of the year with a lot of community based information and things that are really good for not just the esports players but to have like other leagues like Overwatch League and Call of Duty League on a regular kind of week or I mean more Overwatch Overwatch was like really low in numbers I think it was like 20 or 30,000 and then Like the Call of Duty League on their big homestand weekend, basically, like the last one in London, it only had like 60,000 people watching. So for one of the big events in Call of Duty in a franchise league to only garner that much attention, but the big tournament, the big major non-franchise league to pull through in this kind of fashion... Just proves the strength of the brand, strength of the game, strength of the community, and that it's actually a more competitive game in my mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, uh, my friend sent me a picture today. Um, at one point today, um, Rainbow Six had 237,000 viewers.
0: Damn, right?
1: Yeah. So um, I think that's awesome.
0: That's phenomenal
1: that's more than uh i think i think pretty much any esport i've seen so far maybe not maybe not dota or like dota or league I,
0: I think dota and league in a big international setting or like a like the end of the season playoffs <laughs> kind of thing determining who's going to go to the next uh like the world's tournament and stuff like that i think those numbers are generally bigger for League of Legends and Dota and some of the bigger ma- or some of the bigger events for CS:GO, I think those hit that number pretty frequently. Yeah. But like outside of that, there's not another game that does that consistently. It'll be interesting to see how the new format for Pro League changes the numbers with their individual events and not so much just the how we've had it or like see how the Six Invitational compares to that next qualifier or major yeah I agree because yeah. I mean the international competition like the biggest tournament of the year is going to be it's going to draw a lot more eyes than just like a regional focused audience and I don't think we'll see a number that big just watching like the North America major mm-hmm.
1: yeah Um. Yeah. I lost my train of thought. But yeah, I I agree. Um they're going to I honestly I think the viewership is just gonna go up from here. Um and that they beat out CWL, I think that's what they call it. Call of Duty World League. Uh just
0: CDL now. CDL Call of Duty League? Yeah, Yeah, Call of Duty League. Okay. World League was the pre franchise stuff. Oh, okay.
1: Okay. But uh anyways, on to the actual tournament. <laughs>
0: right? So Yeah, I got um, the bracket pulled up on my stream. So it's it was a hell of where a where did tournament. you find the actual Where'd you find the actual bracket? I went to Liquipedia. Oh, okay. R six Liquipedia, they have a six invitational link at the top and you can just click it and it gives you all of the match breakdown, group stages, playoff stages, all that stuff. It was fantastic to use.
1: Okay. Uh I got the I got the playoffs. Okay. okay. So go ahead. What were you we gonna say?
0: I was just gonna say like I wanna I'm just gonna go back to the group listings just to show all the teams who are here. Just because I think nip really just... Nip and Fanatic really stood out as changers in the geographical dominance of Rainbow Six. Like, Europe fell flat entirely, period. Like, it was surprising to see that, like, G2 and BDS were the only ones who made it out of group groups that, Or in, No, yeah, just G2 and BDS. Like, they were the only ones who made it out, and just seeing how Nip dismantled both of them. Well Fnatic made it out as well. Fnatic oh, is you. Yeah. I thought Fnatic was
1: Why pretty sure think... Fnatic is EU. Pretty well, sure they're Asia? they're they're London based, I think.
0: Oh they're London based, but they qualified via the Asia Pacific qualifier. Really? That's what the Pro League says or the Liquipedia says. I think they're an SEA team.
1: Oh, you know what? You might be right.
0: Oh, you know, because they've got two
1: locations. They've got one in the UK and they've got one in Australia. So they might have come through as APAC. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. G- specifically speaking of EU. Yeah. G2 and BDS are the only two made it out of groups. Yeah, G2 <laughs> is very lackluster this this uh, this tournament.
0: They were super lackluster, and if they were in any <laughs> other group, they would not have made it out of group play. Period. hmm Like, I don't see them being able to stand up against uh, MIBR, NIP, TSM, Space Station, Fnatic, Dark Zero, and I mean, we saw them get 2 one against against uh, Fnatic in the uh, quarterfinals, and then they just got destroyed by NIP, which started their tear through the losers bracket. So it's like G two, and they were the invited team. They were the last team to be invited to this tournament uh, because of previous success. But clearly, it just that team lost all of their luster.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, what I you want know to find funny is that okay? So first off. What the heck is going on with Nip? Where did they come from? You know, like... Right. Oh, I know where they come from, came from, but, like, Nip has never, like, been, like, an amazing team, right? They've been... They've always been good, but, like, they've never been, like, they, like this good. You know? Like, oh, yeah. they came... They came into the Invitational and they freaking stopped. What I find Damn. funny is that, like, they lost their first match against TSM. Yeah. Right, so they get beat by TSM, and then they come into the
0: the, the losers bracket, and they literally stomp everyone. Like I, it, I it just gave them the best run for their money, but even then, like I don't even remember it being that close. Yeah, eight seven the first map, seven four BDS on border, and then seven four on clubhouse. So like they they still played really well and BDS I think I think that just gives more credit to how good BDS actually is because if you look at the grand finals spoiler Space Station Gaming wins like nip goes up 2-0 had this been anything other than the grand finals Space Station is relegated to the losers bracket like that's insane to think about mhm
1: yeah and like you know if you were to ask me if you were to give me a bracket and and fill out the my picks for the whole Invitational, i probably could have filled out a hundred different variations of how i thought the Invitational was going to go with none of them having a nip in the grand finals none yeah you could have not you could not have convinced me that nip could have made it to the grand finals not in um in a hundred years could you have Um, with how they with that their you know their recent performances and lands uh, you know just how they play in pro league stuff like that like I would not say that they are say that they are grand finalists at the invitational and I mean people may have other opinions but that's just mine Um, let's think about this as
0: well like Nip came in 2-0'd by uh, TSM but then they beat G2 former world champions they beat Dark Zero like rising dominant team of in a pro league this season and very well performant the year before the season before as well BDS. I'm not entirely familiar with them, but they're here. They're Europe. You know, they're talented period. And then for NIP to come in, come back and two O OTSM, the team that two owed them and put them into the losers bracket, put them with their backs against the wall. Like, that amount of growth is disgusting. And then how they played in the grand finals, the, I thought it was over in three maps, just how mm-hmm. dominant it was. I mean, they two maps and then 4-0, it's over in my mind. There's no other team that you would see that happen. And for them to fall apart that far, like, oh, that's got to be so tough for them. Mm-hmm. But And like honestly, that, like... They grew so much in this tournament, it's not even funny. You could put them in any other region and they would probably climb to the top of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, like the 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 non-biased part of me says that holy shit,
1: like Nip like came in like ready for this tournament, like had one unfortunate match, it just absolutely destroyed. Adapted, overcame, destroyed. Right? The biased part of me says, What the heck? how do these how does this team that is the above average team come in go to i mean granted they go to the losers bracket but they beat two three powerhouses in a row they beat three powerhouses in a row they beat the fourth match they they came back to the guys that just to them the first match right Yep. who does that it, it makes me think that like they need to go back and re- and, and look at their heart that's that, that is, that's just uh um you know the the the, the casual rainbow six player me saying like there's something fishy going on yeah that right. my, my my spidey senses are tingling but at the same time like i don't know maybe they just worked harder than everyone else for the Invitational, but. We'll never know. You know, yeah. they didn't win, so it's whatever. But uh, at the same time, like, something fishy was going on. That's, that's just what my basic instincts tell me. Um, like, I just that's never in a million years that would I think that the beating G2 and Dark Zero then BDS, all three in a row. The chances yeah. of that happening are slim to none, and they managed to do that. And that's amazing. Um, but anyways um you know TSM you know TSM fought their hearts out and i just want to reiterate again nobody believed me last last season when i said that You're TSM right. was going to come in this season swinging look they are at the top of the pro league standings on the leaderboard at the split they come in and make it to the finals an invitational this team is hungry and no one believed me when i said that they were going to come in swinging this season
0: oh yeah no i i mean i tweeted out last night when tsm and space station were playing come on space station pull through otherwise i'm not going to hear the end of it from syntax because you called this (laughs) at the beginning you called this at the very beginning (laughs) Mm -hmm. i think this was early december that you called this out and no I mean it was before that because it was at the beginning of the season after they acquired Pojo Man like that was apparently the biggest kick in the pants that they could have done because they pole vaulted to the top of play and like that TSM space station set last night was just absolutely incredible
1: Mm mhm it was it was an amazing match um said the TSM space station match was a match to remember. It was a really good match. Um,
0: if there's the space one, station... yeah, Go if ahead. there's one one match anyone goes back to to watch, I would say it would be that one because it was just that close and just that insane for a best of three. But the grand finals, obviously, also a huge set to watch because I mean that's if, if that's not more like the most underdog most American like from back against the corner kind of Mighty Duck style story like that that's what you want to watch
1: yeah Yeah, pretty much um you know my my boys in purple and dark zero you know they made it pretty dang far they had a they made a good run in invitational so I don't think they should be disappointed with how they
0: performed they performed really well
1: um, unfortunately, and, you you know, the,
0: and they weren't the only ones who were taken aback by nip like yeah if you, if they they you fell lost... to they
1: fell to the nip to the nip tragedy but
0: <laughs> they got nipped in the bud
1: yeah pretty much um you know they made it to the semis got taken out by space station which honestly was a surprise to me i thought that they were going to um take space station you know I i knew it was going to be a close match i thought i thought it was going to be a close match you know um but i thought dz might take it over space station but turns out space station 20 dark zero unfortunately uh sent them to the losers bracket where they got (laughs) they got sniped by by nip uh they they got caught in their pathway
0: and the dz matchup wasn't bad either by any means like it was seven four seven five i believe two maps so I mean you can't really yeah 7574 villa and then cafe like it's not terrible I mean it's just that SSG strung together a couple more rounds but overall if I remember correctly it was a very competitive round uh, mm-hmm. each map was very competitive
1: and honestly I think that uh if they would have beat nip at that point in time this whole tournament would have changed entirely i think the moment i think they the entire bracket after that those matches would have changed entirely because then they would have played bds for a second time and who knows who would have taken that one because they beat you know dz beat bds 2-1 you know it could have gone the other way and bds beat dz 2 or 1-2 um and then bds goes on to play um uh tsm right um yep. and then tsm probably hopefully would have beat bds um and then we would have seen uh uh you know T- tsm lost the space station you know but then if tsm beat bds then we would have had another tsm space station match in the grand finals which i think would have been funny Absolutely. but uh that would have been that would have been an amazing grand finals because See not that? only the. Either that way, could've...
0: NA would have won, you know. Yeah, that would have been the only way to have made the this grand finals better is a guaranteed North American champion.
1: Mm-hmm. And honestly, it feels really good. It feels really good, not just because NA won, but because EU didn't even make it to the finals. Nope. Suck it, EU nerds.
0: <laughs> oh man, that's gotta be. That's gotta feel good to say. <laughs> I, I was, you should, my my wife was getting a little tired of me. I kept chanting, "We're going on a trip in our favorite rocket ship!" Like this whole six invitational. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and my, and, my kids and like I looking at me weird, like, "Why are you quoting our like little Einstein's video?" Like,
1: <laughs> and. Uh, I I don't I don't actually mean that EU people if any of you guys listen to this I I mean you as no no offense it just feels good to have an a finally win Friendly an invitational a tier one land yeah but uh and you know I actually
0: I actually have to amend my statement about G two earlier <laughs> I forgot this and I I actually remember this I'm proud of me R six brain g2 was playing with an alternative sir boss came out and played his heart out like they had all of 10 days before the tournament to practice with him and Uh they still came out and did a great job given their resources and the time that they had to play together so Sir Boss, you came out, you you bossed people around. Like it was good to see him, and they came together a number of rounds. So, like they took a game off of Fnatic, and Pen- Fnatic was definitely no slouch this time around. They shocked a lot of people, but uh, just wasn't enough. But if Sir Boss sticks on that roster, G Two could see a little bit of a resurgence. But they st- definitely still have a lot to figure out after this performance and after just barely even being able to show up.
1: Yeah, um, honestly, Sir Boss, uh, he was really filling Goga's shoes pretty well. Um, I know he, I I think he planted a a bunch of times. I know he was able to get the plant down a bunch of times. So, um, he did his job, you know, everyone's like, oh, Sir Boss sucks. You know, his KD was super negative. Well, that's not his job. His job wasn't to frag. His job was to plant the diffuser and he did his
0: job, you know? Right. Um i mean you look at canadian in the on the last map or uh no against the on his whole uh, grand final series he was negative eight but he had all four of the plants for ssg done yeah or that might have been the last map i i can't recall off the top of my head but like he had four plants and it's Canadian. You know he does work. You know Sir Boss did work.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But um yeah, so the grand finals, Space Station and, and Nip, that was one heck of a match. Um I personally thought that Nip was gonna win.
0: You and me both.
1: Um, I thought it was a secured win net because uh, they came into the match they came in swing and they Absolutely walked over space station for the first two maps Yeah, there's on um, border. They absolutely got destroyed. Um, I think in one round um, they had this you know space station had this intense defense set up and Nip literally just walked in and just gunned them down like gunned four of them down in like 10 seconds
0: it was ridiculous um oh, yeah. and I it mean, was it. the theme of the first two maps border and villa was that Nip read space station gaming like a book it was like they were reading their minds like they were listening in on voice chat of SSG, and it was just insane, the level of coordination and just how well they executed on Intel and how well they just seemed to know SSG. It seemed for a while that they knew SSG's playstyle better than SSG did.
1: Yeah. Um. <laughs> and honestly, like, <laughs> it, it it kind of reinforced my idea, but... Anyways, um, they went into the third map uh, 2-0. Um, they it was it was you know Nip had already secured two maps out of the three that they needed to win, um, and then all of a sudden it was like Space Station flipped a light switch was like okay, we can't lose this and came back and reverse swept them 3-2, um, yeah. which is ridiculously amazing. <laughs> Like because
0: the, the thing that amazes me most is Nip went up four rounds on the third map. Four rounds to nothing. And then SSG, three rounds in a row. Two of them being on the attack side. Third one, they switch sides at the half. First round on defense, they nab it. Nip fights back. They get another round on. So it's five to one. Mm-hmm. Or five, five to three at this point. Okay, that's a lot closer, but at the same time, this is Nip. The Nip that just took out all these opponents who just wiped the floor with you. They have the same number of rounds won as you did in your previous two maps. And that's just disgusting. Like Mm -hmm. The number of kills at this point, I believe the fact that popped up on screen, was that Nip had outfragged Space Station 70 to 40 that is not what you want to see when your team, when SSG is down zero to four. That's mm-hmm. the most, it's basically the most dire circumstance SSG could have put themselves in, in the grand finals.
1: And somehow they managed to dig themselves. Um, I don't know what happened. I don't know who said what, but like I said, they like flipped a switch and they were like, guys, we are not losing this. We are we are going to win this. If not for us, but for all of NA, <laughs> yeah. and they they did. You know they they
0: they stepped it up. And then for Canadian to win it in on homes on home soil, as, and then also as the North American hope, like that that's gotta feel really good for him. I mean, this is what his third time in the finals. Like, gosh. Come on, third time's got to be the the charm, or you got to be done. Yeah, and I just, man,
1: I just I can't stress enough. Like, you everyone just needs to go and watch the match and just experience the the awesomeness that occurred. You know, it was, it was truly like one of those things you see out of a movie. It really is. It's like you know. It's like the ending, the 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 ending, you know, climax of the movie where your favorite, like you know, of a sport, like a sports movie or something, you know, your favorite team's losing, you know, and all of a sudden, like something happens, and like they come back, and then they just they win the whole thing, and everyone's happy. That's pretty much line for line what happened with the 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 Nip SSG game. So,
0: and I mean, you look at the numbers, and you have to go, damn, that is. Way too close for comfort. Like, by the numbers, Nip looks like they just completely dominated. Pino, Julio, Muzi, plus six, plus nine, plus six. Uh, KD ratios, 1.2, 1.5. Kills per round, 0.7, 0.6, 0.85. Cost, like, four, let's see four of the five members of NIP had a higher overall cost than every single player on Space Station Gaming. That's nuts. And for three, like, Thinking Nade, minus seven, Canadian, minus eight, Bosco, minus seven, usually when you see Bosco and Canadian struggling, it's not a good sign. Like Canadian, yes, he's a support player, but there's times where he's he's just lit and he is lighting people up like nobody's business. But like we had Thinking Nade, Foltz, Rampy, everyone picking certain rounds to really come alive in and make a pivotal play. While Nip constantly, Kamikaze, Psycho, Muzi, Julio, and Pino, they were always being called out. They were always on point. Pino is my MVP of the entire tournament. The guy is absolutely nuts. Those flick shots, those reaction times, the map knowledge that he showed, just absolutely disgusting. I want a team trained by Pino in the next like year. Let him take <laughs> on a challenger team and just be like, we need to copy Pino and clone him five times over and just let them play.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Pino was uh, was definitely on one that entire not just that match but like the entire their entire run in Invitational Pino was just crazy
0: yeah and I mean I thought earlier in the tournament Muzi he was having day or match after match and he was just like okay Muzi he's the one to watch but then Every single game that they played, it just seemed like Kamikaze participated more. Psycho participated more. Then Julio got in on the uh, Space Station and the TSM matches. Like This team is just more consistently all together, all five of them making incredible plays. While I felt TSM, Space Station, even BDS, they had one or two people who were really on and when they had that third person really turn on and really activate, that's when they got onto a roll. But it was really inconsistent for a third or a fourth member to really have a, a shining match. Nip, they were just always on.
1: Mm-hmm. They were they were always on. There was never they were never in the off position that entire time. <laughs> but um pretty much like that's that just about covers the entire invitational um the entire invitational pretty much consists of um tsm making a hard run for it space station making a hard run for it, all you know being the champions um nip making a hard run for it and it's pretty much it you know it was it was a space station nip and a and TSM um invitational.
0: And the the greater benefit from all of this is that now the world knows you can't count out Southeast Asia and A and Z and you cannot count out the South Americans, the Brazilians. Like every region can participate. Every region can definitely make a run for these things and Now that NA has won one now that, I mean, we had three of the last five teams in a one Europe, one ANZ. um, That's just, or one Europe, one South American and ANZ was right before that. So man, everyone's dangerous. Everyone's dangerous.
1: There was a uh, stat that I saw during the match, which I thought was actually really interesting. Um, it has been over a thousand days since NA has won their last tier one LAN championship Um, also what I thought was really interesting is that the last team to win Invitational obviously I think was EG right
0: yeah it was Empire
1: no no uh, the last NA team to win Invitational oh I don't know was (laughs) was uh, EG EG be- EG beating Penta for the invitational. Got it. Um before they were G2 as Penta. Um and Canadian was on that team. That's so right. Canadian wins that last invitational. Then so so happens Canadian Canadian is on this new team, on the new team that just won the invitational. So his his name is on the hammer twice, which I think is pretty cool um for NA.
0: Absolutely. I mean that, that's that's got to be huge for him as Rainbow Six continues on with a very healthy roadmap and everything knowing that his role in that is guaranteed and like he can be always considered a major contributor to Rainbow Six Esports that's got to feel really good to him
1: yeah being a, being a, a two time invitational champion you know you know, I think the only two times right now are, are G two. Um that are that have yeah. any, you know, that have more than one invitation under their belt is G the the players on G two. So Canadian is the only NA player in Siege history to have his name on that hammer twice.
0: Yeah, that would feel good. That would definitely feel good. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh, outside of that, the only other news I have was from confirming from last night's podcast that uh, CR6 is already has launched its spring season. Teams already have their matchups. The brackets are available up on Battlefy, and so on your mark, get set, go. Go CR6. You are the third league to launch the spring series, and so looking forward to a lot more matches
1: that's fun okay yeah
0: so now we got through all three collegiate leagues launched and running um, there's going to be a lot to talk about absolutely I mean there's already a lot to talk about just between some of the matches that have gone on so the, just because the Invitational is over and we're waiting for Pro League to pick back up again there's plenty more competitive, CR, or competitive R6 to be watching just take it down a notch and watch some colleges duke it out. That'll be fun. All right. Well, as usual, if you have any feedback for the podcast, you can reach out to it directly by leaving a message anchor.fm slash check your six slash message and you can leave a voicemail where you'll be incorporated into the next live broadcast and we'll talk about whatever your message was. Uh, alternatively, you can always reach me at warwalker call on pretty much every social media and leave your feedback there with me uh share the podcast listen to it and get all of your friends to play rainbow six uh co-host syntax at syntax on twitter uh i don't know if you're really anywhere else other than twitter
1: at syntax gg on twitter um YouTube, if you, I I run a YouTube channel, you know, for, you know, tips and tricks on how to get better at Siege, you can look up, uh, you know, youtube.com slash syntax GG, I think it is, yeah, just syntax GG on, actually, let me confirm that real quick, (laughs) yep, syntax GG, no underscore anything.
0: Fair enough. Well, that's it for me. Thanks for joining us on this long edition and for this bonus episode from a long, long competitive R6 weekend. Thanks for joining us and we will catch you all next week.